this is your first time here at High Point, I want to say, uh, first of all, welcome. It's great to be uh, watching service with you uh, here today. So thankful for you. And we want to invite you to continue growing by taking your next steps. And you can do that also uh, by texting HP Info to 97000. And you'll see a little, little spot there uh, for you to fill out a communication card to take your next steps and get connected. We want to encourage you to do that. Um, with that, we're going to transition into the message today. We're in a series called I Need a Miracle. And the truth is, we all need miracles in some way, shape, or form, whether you realize it or not. We all need God. If you're on social media for more than two seconds or you're watching TV, even Netflix, Amazon, or the Peacock app, or whatever the latest streaming service is, it doesn't take long for us to realize that we need Jesus in a big way, okay? And sometimes uh, God is moving miraculously in our lives in ways that we don't even know. The past couple weeks, we've talked about the miraculous move of God in ways that you're asking for, Right? But what about the miracles that you aren't asking for, yet that God is doing on your behalf? Today's a bit of a different message today because at the end of it, my hope is that you walk away with a deeper sense of gratitude and thanksgiving for the God who cares about you enough to move on your behalf even when you're not asking Him to. Title of the message today is The Miracle You Didn't See Coming. We're going to be in the book of Numbers today. I'm sure it's a book of the Bible you just read all the time because it's just so exciting, right? <laughs> no, it's literally titled Numbers. There couldn't be a, a more bland name for a book of the Bible, right? But we're going to get into it today. And there is a story in the Bible with a prophet named Balaam that I think is going uh, to really speak to our situations today. Old Testament is filled with God's people experiencing miracles, from the parting of rivers to food miraculously appearing, literally uh, uh, different natural disasters occurring because of prayer or not occurring because of prayer. I, I mean, God is moving literally page after page in ways that's it's jaw-dropping. It's defying the laws of nature. But one of the things that we see when we get uh, to the book of Numbers is we see God's people doing uh, many times what they seem to do the best in the Old Testament, and that's making really bad decisions. Time and time and time again, they wander away from what is right. They wander away from the straight path, and they, and they, and they start wandering off you know, the rabbit trail. They start wandering into the ways of uh, the, the crooked path, so to speak. Their hearts wander. And consequently, we, we see something here uh, in the book of Numbers that speaks to a wandering heart, a heart that longs to go the wrong way. Now, before we get into Numbers, you can go ahead and turn there if you have a Bible, Numbers 22. I want to give an actual like living example of this. I'm not going to bring her you know, on the camera, uh, despite probably popular demand that I do so, but my, my, our family, we got a dog recently. Okay, we have a puppy in our house. And if there's anything that, that can remind you about going the wrong way, <laughs> it's getting a puppy. 
We have a puppy right now that doesn't listen to any command that is being asked of her, right? There might, uh, we're trying to teach her some very simple things. She doesn't do it. She doesn't do any of it. And what's interesting, you know, we get up in the middle of the night to take her out to go to the restroom to do, do the things that dogs need to do, you know, in the yard. And literally just the other day, it's pouring down rain. It was raining a lot this week. And I have our dog, Winnie, out in the yard, and it is a torrential downpour. I've got the umbrella out. You know, and the right way of doing things in this moment would be that you run out, you do your business, and you come back in the house. That's the only acceptable way of living a life in this moment. What does our dog do? She runs out into the yard and just lays down in a puddle of water. Why? Why would you do this? And I literally looked at her. I'm, I have the umbrella. And I'm literally, dog, Winnie, what are you doing? Get out of the water and get in this house right now. I, I put the leash on our dog. I try to take our, our dog for a walk. If you've ever tried to walk a puppy, okay, nothing speaks to you more clearly about going the wrong way when your dog has crisscrossed the leash around your leg about 19 times before you're taking five steps out of the driveway. Just go the right way. <laughs> Just do it this way and life would be so much easier. Life would be so much better. Do what I am asking you to do. And here we have the book of Numbers that in many ways, it is, it is the writing of God. It is the Bible, and it is about God instructing his people to just do the right thing. And time and time and time again, they just don't get it. So here we find ourselves in Numbers 22 with a prophet named Balaam. Now, before we read it, I know I've taken my time to set this up for you. Balaam is not a prophet like Jeremiah or Ezekiel or Samuel. Don't be confused in that. This, this man is a prophet for hire, meaning he does not have allegiance to the God of Israel. He is simply uh, available to the highest bidder, and he will come, he'll do a little magic, he'll do some divination, and he will prophesy and speak a blessing or a curse, depending on what you want, right? Whatever you need, he's available to do. But he is a national prophet. I mean, he's known internationally uh, for, for, his, for his ability uh, to speak blessing and curse. And so here we are in Numbers 22. It's a lengthy passage. Just track with me this morning. Balaam got up in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the Moabite officials. But God was very angry when he went, and the angel of the Lord stood in the road to oppose him. Balaam was riding on his donkey, and his two servants were with him. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand, it turned off the road into a field. That's a smart donkey. Balaam beat it to get it back on the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path through the vineyards with walls on both sides. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it pressed close to the wall, crushing Balaam's foot against it. So he beat the donkey again. Then the angel of the Lord moved on ahead and stood in a narrow place. 
where there was no room to turn either to the right or to the left. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it laid down under Balaam, literally just laid down. And he was angry and he beat it with his staff. Then the Lord opened the donkey's mouth and it said to Balaam, what have I done to you to make you beat me these three times? Balaam answered his donkey, you have made a fool of me. If only I had a sword in my hand, I would kill you right now. The donkey said to Balaam, am I not your own donkey, which you have always ridden to this day? Have I been in the habit of doing this to you? No, Balaam said. And we'll pause right there. There is so much to talk about. <laughs> we have angels showing up with swords. Balaam can't see it. We've got a donkey that sees what his master cannot and is literally going to the right to avoid this angel. He's going to the left. He's trying to press close to the wall. And Balaam, like a fool, he's beating his donkey, right? And then God miraculously opens the mouth of the donkey and the donkey speaks. And Balaam just has a normative conversation with this donkey. This is your moment, okay? Like... You, you're in this for the cash. He literally has been hired by the Moabites to pronounce a, cursing over, a curse over Israel and, and on the way discovers that his donkey is talking. If there's ever a moment to pack your bags and say, guys, I've, I've got a new gig, all right? It's now. Balaam can take his talking donkey on the road and make as much money as he ever wanted, right? But instead, he's persisting in going the wrong way, okay? And this is a picture. Balaam is literally, we see Israel's rebellion in the book of Numbers in three ways. You see it at the mountain, you see it uh, in the fields, and you see it in the plains, okay? And that's how, that's how the book of Numbers is divided up. And we, in between it, we get this picture of Balaam, and it's literally a living picture of Israel's rebellion and persistence in going the wrong way. And here is my question for you. This is a wild story. It's a crazy story. But there's so much you can identify with. Where have you been blind to God resisting you in your life? Where have you been unable to see what God is doing? And hopefully, maybe miraculously, God rerouted the course of your life because you were unable to see what he was doing at that given time. So here's the question again. How many times, where, when, 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 when was the last time it happened where, where God was, was actively shifting the course of your life because you just didn't see what he was doing and what he was up to. God will do that. He will fight you. He will resist you. Sometimes he lets you persist and just go right on through and we experience the consequences of just uh, of not listening. And then there are other times where God, he just reroutes us and he changes the direction of our life. He does it in, in, a, in a compassionate way, a gracious way. He does it in sometimes ways that are difficult and painful. 
When, when you look at life, when we look at things that cause us to be unable to see properly, bitterness is one of those things. You ever been around somebody, or maybe it's you watching, where, where you, there, a situation has left you bitter or angry, and you're just not able to see properly the decisions that need to be made. It's difficult for you to move forward in the right direction because of the pain that's in your heart. Some of you know the, 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 the uh, relationship struggle. Maybe you want that relationship so bad, right? The attraction is so great. And you're just not able to think straight. You're not making right decisions. You're persisting in a way that it just, God just has not ordained. It's not the path that he's laid out for you. And I realize we can get into a lot of theological conversations right now regarding God's sovereignty, purpose, plan, free will. And I think all of those things coexist together. I'm not going to try to answer the thousand-year-old question of where our will ends and where God's sovereignty begins. But understand that, that there are times in your life where God intentionally reroutes you. And if all of us were sitting in a room together, and if I were to ask you to raise your hand, who of you planned on being here in this city in this year uh, right now? Almost none of you would have your hand raised. Almost none of you are living the life that you had imagined and planned for yourself. And thank God that we serve a king whose plans and purposes for us are bigger than you and me. Even when we are persistent in sin and unrighteousness, God is good and he is gracious and he is compassionate. So when we read the story of Balaam, uh, many times uh, we, we, we think the biggest miracle, the miracle that we're drawn to, is the fact that God opened a donkey's mouth and a donkey's talking. But I want you to hear this today. The greatest miracle of this story is not that there's a talking donkey. It's that God is willing to get in the way when his people persist in going the wrong way. I want to say that one more time. God loves us enough to get in the way when we are going the wrong way. And that is the story of Balaam. It is the story of Numbers, the book of Numbers. And it is Israel's story time and time and time again. God gets in the way graciously because we are persistent in going the wrong way. Thank you, God that he miraculously moves on our behalf in ways that we didn't see coming. And everybody watching online said amen to that. So let's pick up in Numbers 22, verse 31. The Lord opened Balaam's eyes in this moment, right? His don the donkey's talking. <laughs> he has a talking donkey. The Lord opened Balaam's eyes and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with his sword drawn. So he bowed low and fell face down. The angel of the Lord asked him, why have you beaten your donkey these three times? I've come here to oppose you because your path is a reckless one before me. 
The donkey saw me and turned away from me these three times. If it had not turned away, I would certainly have killed you by now, but I would have spared it. Balaam said to the angel, I have sinned. I did not realize you were standing in the road to oppose me. Now, if you are displeased, I will go back. The angel said to Balaam, go with the men, but speak only what I tell you. So Balaam went with Balak's officials. These are some strong words. I didn't realize that you were in my path to oppose me. I didn't realize that my path was a reckless one before you. I've sinned here, and I didn't know it. And at the end of all this, the angel says, here's what I want you to do. Go and do only what I tell you. And if you read the rest of the story, the Moabites have paid Balaam to pronounce a curse. But every time he opens his mouth, the only thing he's able to do is bless Israel. And so what was meant for a curse turned into a blessing. And we see that many times in our own lives, right? Things that that the enemy meant for evil, God turns around for good. This is how God moves and how God sovereignly works in our lives. And it produces gratitude and thanksgiving. But it doesn't mean that we should persist in a reckless path before God. It means that we should take stock of the life that we are living When you experience uh, hardship or difficulty, or maybe a better way to say it is, is resistance, at some point you need to have a heart posture that says, God, what are you doing here? Are you resisting me? Are you trying to reroute me in this moment? Sometimes the, the greatest disruptions in your life end up being the greatest miracles. I have experienced that in my own life. Without getting into too much of the details, um, I was engaged to someone else before Amy and I started dating and before we ended up obviously getting married. But I was engaged. I, I was in a relationship with somebody else and, and I was right out of college and I had been dating her for three months and I got engaged. <laughs> Some of you are like, oh my gosh. Yes, that's exactly right. My own parents were like, Andy, what are you doing, right? There was some recklessness, you could say, right? Uh, I was persistent, even with voices that were saying, hey, slow down. Maybe you should rethink this, reexamine this. But instead, just Andy, you know, with the the force of nature was just going to plow on through. And I am so thankful thankful. I am so thankful. I'm so thankful that we serve a God that is greater and bigger than our decisions. The engagement, you know, it ended up not surviving for, you know, obviously, and uh, the relationship went separate ways. And it wasn't but a year later that that Amy and I uh, started dating. And I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for the life that I'm living right now. I'm so thankful that God stepped in and rearranged some pieces, even though I was persistently not hearing and not listening. That's no slight to to the person I was engaged to or the pastors at the time. Uh, The reality is I was doing my thing 
And it took God miraculously rearranging pieces in my life. Maybe it wasn't a relationship for you. Many of you have seen this vocationally, right? Amy and I were determined when we got married. We'd only been married for just under a year. We had no kids, no life experience as pastors. We had been campus ministers, uh, and we had been hurt in ministry, which is, as everyone knows, the perfect recipe for going and planting a church. Oh, you're hurt, and you don't have any experience? You should go plant a church. You are qualified, right? Well, that's exactly what we were planning to do. We were heading to Greenville, South Carolina to plant a church with some of our best friends. And we went to an assessment center in Wisconsin, and there we met a seven-foot-tall former basketball player who looked at us for about five minutes and gave an assessment that maybe we should hold off on planting a church and instead invited us to help him start his own church called High Point Church in Orlando, Florida. Now, we weren't in sin. We weren't recklessly, you know, disobeying God in this moment. But I'm thankful that God disrupted my plans. I was on the path going this way, and it took, you know, some, some talking donkeys, so to speak, to get my attention, to get our attention, to reroute what God or what we were doing. We were missing it. We would have missed the joy of pastoring in Orlando for six years. We would have missed the joy of starting this church right here in, in Kennesaw. We would have missed that. And we're so thankful that God moves powerfully in our lives on our behalf, the greatest disruptions are oftentimes our greatest miracles. We serve a God who loves us enough to get in the way when we're going the wrong way. God is moving on your behalf. He's moving on your behalf. He's causing all things to work together for those who love him. And that means even when you are stubbornly persisting, right, in your own direction, God will give you some stop signs. Now you can still, you can still blaze on through those. But at some point, I want to encourage you to take some self-inventory here. What is it that God is doing in this moment in your life? Do you need to have a moment like, like Balaam Ham had where you're, you acknowledge, oh, maybe I'm continuing to push through this and God is actually not, he, he, this, isn't the, this isn't the path for me. This isn't the decision that I should be making. Sometimes that's innocuous. Sometimes it's made out of sheer ignorance. Sometimes it's made out of stubborn pride. But in all situations, the, 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 the end result should be the same, that we take a minute and we say, okay, God, what are you up to here? Peter says it like this. Uh, he says in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, he says, this is his prayer. He says to, for us to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. A, a prayer that you see throughout the Bible is that people would grow in the grace and knowledge of who Jesus is. 
Another way to say this is that we would grow in maturity, in wisdom, and discernment, that you know who God is, that you'd know the mind of Christ, that you would be able to sense his presence and follow him. Literally, that you'd be able to follow him. Isn't this what we want? Isn't this what we want to experience? And thankfully, God will miraculously stop us in our tracks to help us literally have our eyes open to who he is and what he's inviting us to do. Now, if you're going to grow in discernment and you're going to grow in wisdom, there are three things that many times people, there are three things I'm going to encourage you to do. Number one, I'm going to encourage you to start reading your Bible. Now, this is the moment in the sermon where, where people begin to phase out like, oh, read my Bible. I've heard that a thousand and one times. I'm going to unpack it for you just a second. But you need to read your Bible. You need to pray. And then you need to have trusted, godly people around you that you can ask, that you can be transparent with, that you can bring your situations to. But I want to qualify that third one. You, you shouldn't be relying on other people more. That shouldn't be your go-to first before you try to hear from God and be led by Him. If you're not reading your Bible and you're not praying, you, you shouldn't be going and relying on other people first. You need to get in God's presence. The primary way in which God speaks to His people is through His written word. That's how God ministers and speaks and leads us. And as we're praying, God will also make deposits into your spirit while you're praying. And there are things you just don't know how to explain where you just, you get a sense from God, you get a peace from God, and that only happens as you're praying. God's primary ways that he ministers to you and me is through his Bible, the written word, and through prayer. And if you're not willing to do those two things, but you're always leaning on other people, you're going to find yourself in some tough spots. Because many times we elevate people. Now hear me, we need good counsel and you need godly people. And it's one of the three things that I'm telling you to do. But you can't take those things and elevate it above your actual relationship with Jesus. You need Christ. You need a relationship with him. And you need to literally let him renew your mind. That you would grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. This is what you need. Oh, I'm all about God's miraculous power at work in my life. And there are miracles that I didn't see coming. And I'm so thankful that he moved sovereignly even when I didn't see it, when I didn't know what to do. But hindsight, now I can speak to this in that, that we should become a people, a people that are mature, that are growing, where hopefully it doesn't take the same disruption to get our attention every single time, that our hearts would be humble that they'd be stirred, that we would begin to recognize when we're not walking in the ways of the Lord. How do you do that? By growing in wisdom, by growing in discernment.
by growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. So here's what we get to do today. You get to start a reading plan. And if you don't have one, you can start right here. I, I literally want to encourage you to take your Bible. Uh, use, pull it up on your phone, right? If you've got version or your paper Bible and take the little bookmarker thing and, and take it to Proverbs. If you want to grow in wisdom, there is 31 Proverbs. There are 31 Proverbs in the Bible. You could read one just about every day of the month. And if you'll begin to do that, even just for 30 days, you will begin to carve out a new routine, a new habit that is injecting your spirit with the wisdom of God. Just one proverb a day. Start right there. And my hope is that as you grow and as you become more like Christ in maturity and in wisdom and discernment, that the kind of miracle that we're talking about here happens a little bit less. You don't need a talking donkey to, 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 to get your attention but that you can devote more of your time and energy to the miracles that we're pursuing, the very presence and power of God at work in our cities, in our communities, in our churches, and in our very lives. That's what we want to see. Let's be humble. Let's be diligent. Let's pursue a relationship with God. Let's grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus today. Amen. Father, I thank you in this moment, uh, Lord, for ministering to us and, and even just giving us a fresh charge, Lord. God, you, we're, we have gratitude and thanksgiving that you intervene in our life in ways that we didn't see coming. Uh, God, God, sometimes when we are, we're, just, we're persistent and we're pursuing things that are not of you, God, we're thankful that you are sovereign and gracious and good. In light of that, Lord, we also want to be the kind of people that grow in wisdom and discernment and don't continue to find ourselves in the same situation day in and day out, week after week, year after year, where we're just ignoring all the signs that you're giving us. We need to grow in wisdom and discernment. Father, I pray for everyone watching that you would give us a fresh conviction, Lord, to be in the word of God, to have our mind renewed by this truth and to, have, to be men and women who have a, a, a disciplined prayer life. God, where we begin to pray, where we begin to seek you and ask for your help every single day. God, that's my hope. That's our hope and what we're believing for today. Amen. Thank you for being uh, with us at High Point today. I want to encourage you one last time. If you don't know where to start reading the Bible, start in the book of Proverbs. Read one chapter a day. If you already got a place, you're already reading the Bible, awesome. If you're already praying, amazing. Keep at it. Keep growing. Thanks for being here today. We're going to continue growing on this journey together in the weeks to come. And uh, we will see you not here streaming next week, but literally outside next Sunday. Can't wait to see you. Uh, mark your calendars. You're going to hear more about it in just a minute. See you next week.